Well, howdy, my name is Johnny Brick and welcome to the Country Media Show, which seeks to champion those who champion country music in the UK. In the first episode, I spoke to Jamie Gardham of countryintheuk.com about the acts he was looking forward to seeing at Country to Country 2024. I am delighted to bring you an extended version of our discussion, which includes chatter about Jamie's advocacy of women in country music, the nature of country media, and Jamie's excitement about going to C2C Berlin with his country in the UK compadre, Ian Varley. Jamie Gardham, who co-runs Country in the UK, who are you looking forward to seeing at C2C? oversold that as co-running. I, I like to sort of see Ian as being Gru and me being the sort of minion-type character uh, there for real comedy effect, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, see to see, it's, um, we had the news on Tuesday, which was pretty cool, and obviously we've been talking a lot through the sites. We're heading to Berlin um, the weekend before, so we've known quite a little bit more about Berlin for a couple of weeks now, but... I really like it. I think overall, I think the whole, the whole lineup. when you look at the arena and stuff, Brad has a great fan base here. Kane Brown, whenever he's, you know, the, the show he did last year was one of the most electric shows I think I've seen. Old Dominion win group of the year at every award going. Um, they'll become the first band ever in C2C history to initially appear at the festival away from the main stage and then come back to headline. Um, and obviously they've got an array of hits uh, and then kind of going further down, you know, Jay Owen, I think it's going to be a huge one for the first time, him coming over to play. Uh, Priscilla won a lot of fans, you know, when she did Long Road the other year. You could sort of go all the way through that main stage. And I think it's very neutral would be my sort of word. I think it's quite inoffensive. Overall, I think you've got something there for everyone, which is the, the real beauty about C2C, to be honest. And when you say inoffensive, whom would offend you? Who is, who is no, not I don't, neutral? I don't, I don't sort of mean like that, whereas, you know, some people have their perspective. Like, for me, country music is X, and this is not country music. Whereas other people, their view of country music will be very different. It's a very broad genre. It's becoming even broader as things go now. There really is something there for everyone, you know, to be honest. And that's what I mean by inoffensive. I think that it's it's very hard to pick holes into that lineup because I think you've got a lot there all the way across those, you know, 11 acts with their own set and a really, really cool uh, introducing Nashville round as well that'll kick off in London, which I'm, I'm really looking forward to. And again, that's something that I'm going to get to see in Berlin the week before. So get an extra chance to see... Um, Connor Smith and Lauren Watkins and Carly Scott Collins, which hopefully will be, you know, some really cool names for people that, are, you know, are going to go on to really big things quite quickly. I think, well, obviously, she's on Sony, so she's got money behind her, but Carly Scott Collins. Oh, my gosh, this is a superstar. I am. I keep banging on about gal country. I think bro country is done. We've, we've scraped the bottom of the ice cream punnet. And we're going to get the gal country flavours. And you, Jamie Gardham, are a huge ambassador for not just country music, but in my mind, you back female country stars more than anyone else. So we're going to hopefully, in this conversation, talk about lots of women, uh, including Carly Scott Collins, uh, who's the single that has come out, which is... Marlboro Red. uh, Marlboro Red's just come out. 
which is very good. But the one that was on her EP, Hands on the Wheel, Natalie Hemby has written it. And you can just tell it has the imprimatur of quality. So I wanted to know from you, as someone who listens to a lot of country music, can you tell when someone of quality has written a song? I think that's really, really interesting to kind of just build, sort of go to your first point about saying about female artists. Like I've, for me, it's just, I've always maintained, I think this is quite true for a lot of us that cover country music here, that we're not really die-hard country music fans as much as kind of a lot of fans are. Where, you know, fans of music in general, where it's just more of a wedge that falls into country than anywhere else. And for me, I, I just find that kind of living and growing up in the UK, where my musical background was sort of, you know, heavily into like pop rock and kind of like dance and things through my teens. And then as well, kind of being sort of, you know, raised on like, you know, Springsteen and kind of Wham and kind of Bon Jovi and kind of lots of other stuff. I just find a lot of male artists and that perspective doesn't, or that is not universal as a comment, but kind of in the sort of overall thing that traditional country sound isn't really what speaks to me. And I just tend to find that, you know, what the chicken and egg reasoning for it now, that in terms of what the girls do musically is, is more open and it's kind of is more relatable and kind of transfers kind of coming across with what there is. And then to you know to the second point about like songwriters and stuff, I had this conversation with Caitlin Smith when I spoke to her when she was last over. Sorry, first class. Oh God, uh, sorry, you... it's a heavy name. I'll help you pick <laughs> it up. Um, we just sort of said that there are certain people that you can listen to. You know, like Brandy Clark's a great example of this for somebody for me. Shane McAnally is another person for someone like that for me. Caitlin is one of the most distinct. Uh, and things but you know just a lot of people and you know you mentioned natalie as well leave their sprinkles of like fairy dust that you can kind of tell and kind of be sort of drawn to it so yeah you you, you do sort of find that you know when you're looking through and particularly with new artists and stuff as well that if you look at the writing cuts like on their projects on their ep on their album and things that if they're working with really cool people and stuff and you can tell that by listening to the songs that you know, you know that there's definitely a lot that people are looking forward to from them. Yes, and that there's money behind them. I just want to quote something Jesse Alexander told Graham Boynton for this Telegraph piece. Uh, Jesse said that female writers bring sensuality and vulnerability to a writing session, as well as emotional intelligence, which is lacking in or comes about more quickly than male writers. I think, again, this this is, again, something that Caitlin had said. I think the times when I spoke to her, that it was... I'm trying to remember the exact quote. Some writers break their hearts so you don't have to. Ooh. I think that's kind of poetic as a way to kind of view... And it is more so in country music than any other genre where you hear that. And she said another quote about kind of... The most beautiful things are wrapped in ribbons of pain as well down a kind of similar vein of kind of saying something along there. There is a lot of depth in the genre, and that's why people sort of go into it. And that, that again, comes to whatever you deem country music to be, whether you're more into the kind of more modern commercial side or what was bro country or more, more traditional or what goes on in Texas or the rockier side or the things that kind of drift in and out of Americana as well. You know, they all have that element that at the end of the day, songs are either good or bad. 
you know, and that's the same in any genre of music. You're listening to punk or you're listening to rap or whatever. You know, a good song's a good song and a not-so-good song's not as good. Uh, you mentioned Caitlin Smith, and I'm sure if you pump Caitlin Smith into countryintheuk.com, you can read uh, the sit-down with, well, dozens and dozens of people. Caitlin Smith is one of them, I think more than once. The most recent sit-down uh, is in podcast form. You've popped up a 15-minute chat with Ashley Well, Cook. no, well, actually it's both, because we, it, we, it came out today, so we, we put the audio onto it, and the way we sort of use it is through the where we put our podcasts on. If we're embedding audio into a piece, we'll upload it kind of through the podcast channel and put the link into the article for it but what i've done with ashley so i've spoken to ashley, ashley Cook, who's over in europe currently opening for jordan davis on his tour and before the tour started last week on thursday uh, she was in copenhagen so i spoke to her over zoom and it was the, the third time that i'd spoke to her and I, I, I just think she has such a good energy like, just a really fun personality and, you know, has got some great songs, put a 24-track debut album that came out last year, in the middle of the year, a collaboration with Jackson Dean, one with Nate Smith and one with Colby Clay. So we talked about all three of those. She's a good fit for me as an interview as well. I, I like to talk to people. I, I know that all these artists are human beings and they're going to sit and do press for a run of an hour, two hours, three hours, whatever. And, like, for any of us, it's like, would you want to go through the exact same conversation in a very rigid or artificial manner, you know, 12 times in a row? And it's like, no, none of us would want that. So it is just like, well, let's have some fun. And you learn that people you spoke to before, like Ashley especially, is, you know, a great example of this. My whole thing is basically, like, watching, like, some sort of, NASCAR slash demolition derby where things sort of go around where you have no idea what's going to happen and when you get someone whose musical focus of their brain is so driven but equally they're kind of in this sort of beautiful random foil which is a pure match for me you can there is so much fun and we just sort of thought that it's like well you know let's not just put that as a a written article let's use the fact that we've got the audio and we were able to use it and things and you know giving people the chance to kind of come across in different ways and you, you mentioned that kind of through the podcast like channel as well that's gone really well we don't have any idea how it's gone going as well as it is um it almost concerns us that anyone actually wants to listen to what we do for but sure it's, for sure it's great but it's, it's consistently growing, and it, it just, that just came from nowhere, that we'd sort of had a chat that we, we wanted a way to sort of kind of cover releases more than anything else, like when singles came out, or if we haven't got time to review things, that we can kind of talk about them in that way and kind of, you know, discuss, like, festival news or big tour announcements and stuff, because we, we, we'd found that, when you get a press release with like a tour details or whatever, posting it onto the site and doing a social post, people would see the social post and react to it. But because particularly with Instagram, which is what we use more heavily than, than any other platform, it's it's not straightforward to kind of click a link and go to it. Once you've done it, you have to share it in the story and kind of put the link at the bottom, which initially wasn't you know, even that straightforward to do because you had to be verified to be putting links into stories. 
so that was kind of how we sort of started and then we kind of realized that we were having quite a bit of fun with it like people started listening it's like okay putting interviews into it dropping interviews into a podcast it's it's not a fit for us we talk too much rubbish because again like our whole podcast is you know it's a wannabe sports talk nfl premier league football podcast that masquerades talking about country music we try and sort of go down that route where like for each episode for the for the number of the episode we'll have a famous number three or number four or number five and as we'd sort of gone through it twice before this being the third year we've ran it um we've sort of gone on to fictional numbers which i think is quite cool fictional sporting numbers so ian obviously being a teacher with far too much time in his hands did lots of research and found you know people that wore that number in in media kind of as a sports context um so that's been quite cool and um Diwali given me some retro films to check out it's always an education we never stop learning and with countryinthe.uk.com and its affiliated pod, which is called Podding Nonsense. You can get that. I don't think I've ever asked who came up with the name Podding Nonsense. Ian came up with it. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm still not 100% sure that I'm sold on it, but, um, yeah, it, we just sort of ran with it because we couldn't really think of anything, and most of the other ideas we had were terrible. So it's oh, go on, like, share, oh, well, one. share one of them. I can't, I can't even think. Because I think when we initially had the conversation, I was probably smashed, which is kind of like most, you know, times with me anyway. But it amazes us that, like, people listen to it. And the, the biggest thing that I get out of it as well, it, it keeps me sharper yeah. in a way. Because when I do talk to artists or when I'm reviewing things, because of the way I, like, I process it, I, I write and I talk how I think in that sort of, process whereas when i'm trying to like relay information it kind of needs to be more sort of like structured and kind of like right we have to get this across and not when somebody starts mentioning you know the color purple then i'd sort of go oh my favorite color is purple and go off into a random tangent and stuff which you can do in interviews or when you're kind of writing creatively in general but say that the podcast good it kind of it keeps us on about you know checking what's coming out and getting to listen to new artists because you know the same as you do you get press releases on a regular basis where you know it's like introducing so and so and you might have heard of them or if not you'll get the ep advance or the album advance you'll have a listen and like with anything it's like if you like it you like it and if you don't you don't and then from there you sort of decide what level you sort of go with building the coverage uh, this is the country media show and for the first show i've got my focus media organization i do need a snappier title uh the bob from minions of uh, the UK country movie, <laughs> Jamie Garden. Isn't Abby Cohn great? Abby Cohn is amazing. Like, I'm really, really pumped that she's going to be someone that's coming over for the festival. When we saw that whole lineup that got announced on Tuesday, your brain kind of goes in a million different directions and you sort of, like, just scream and kind of go, ah! There's, like, so much to kind of look at and you're kind of going through, and it's like, you know, having kind of had a couple of days to, like, fully process it and stuff, but, yeah, Abby was definitely one of the ones that stood out to be announced. Like, I've I've known of her for, what, four or five years now, from when she was on her old label deal when I first spoke to her, 
kind of around when she was first putting out music with them. But yeah, she's she's real fun. You know, a girl from like uh, the DFW area, in kind of Texas. You know, just just a real grafter. She does a cool sort of show once a month in Nashville with Madison Kozak, which I keep seeing posts about that. I'd love to get over. And somebody as well that does a lot of work with Britney Spencer yep. for people that are kind of fans of her. But, it's, you know, she, she'd she always said when we'd sort of spoken to her how much she'd love to get over here. And like, like everybody, they just, they just hear about the UK kind of being different. But I think as well, like, just the culture is what people like. And Americans are all Anglophiles and they're all fascinated by our country and they want to come and see things for what they are. And the fact that they're able to kind of come and do it and, you know, play music over here, which, you know, artists without a huge level of backing is difficult. You know, it's a financial constraint to a big level. It's a big time constraint because it means you can't be doing things back at home. And the thing comes if you want to have accompaniment when you come over, that brings additional cost. It's not just you can phone up your mate down the road and go, hey, I'm playing, you know, the listening room or I'm playing wherever tomorrow. Can you jump on stage me for a couple of hours? There's kind of just so much more to it. But yeah, I'm I'm really pumped about her. I think she's one of the ones that really stood out to me. Her and Hannah Dasha, another one I'm really sort of looking forward to coming to London. There's people on there that I'm a huge fan of, like Hannah Ellis and Brooke Eden. Red Hill Valleys, who we caught at Americana yes. Week in Hackney last month. I thought they were incredible. They're definitely someone that everyone should be checking out. The three of them that I've mentioned I've seen before, whereas like Hannah and Abby I haven't, and I'm really kind of looking forward to seeing them. But the, the one again on a similar of someone I haven't seen before, and you, you mentioned this on a post on one of your socials I saw the other day, uh, the man from Down Under that is going to blow everyone away 100%. When me and Varley had both said when we were chatting, when you saw that name on the lineup, that was the one to us that was like, wow. And I admit to a lot of people, they might not know who Brad Cox is, but it's always a thing that artists talk about when you speak to them, why they appreciate the UK audience, that where they know they don't have the huge market or the listener base, that they appreciate that fans go out of their way to take their time to learn about them, learn their music, listen to their music. If people go about and do that, it's, you know, they will find favourites. And Brad, who won Male Vocalist of the Year at the Golden Guitar Awards a couple of weeks back, which is like the big Australian country music awards, he's a guy I spoke to a couple of years back. It might have been kind of in and around COVID, kind of over Zoom. I just love his voice. I think the guy is incredible, and I think he genuinely is who everyone is going to be talking about. And it it is, there are so many gems on there that you'll see this name you don't know, and that you'll come across it. And we we sort of did that when we were talking about Tamworth with the Golden Guitars. We went into a rabbit hole on the podcast a couple of weeks back, that there was kind of a lull in terms of new music and stuff being sent through. And I'd seen some people I knew posting about things going on in Australia, and just went down a rabbit hole of kind of, you know, Australian artists and stuff. And we've we got three of them actually playing CC, haven't we? Blake O'Connor um... and... Sinead Burgess, who's now in Nashville. Blake and Sinead are both in Nashville. Uh, I saw Blake yeah. at Buckland Boots, as you did a couple of years ago. He's now independent. And it's just nice that Sinead and Blake can have a working holiday. The strength of country music in Australia is phenomenal. 
genuinely do think it's phenomenal in terms of what they've got going on there and like what we've sort of listened to. You know, obviously you've got Uncle Keith who leads the way. He put a new song out on Friday as well, which is really cool. I'm a big fan of. Always appreciate new music from Keith Urban. Then you've obviously got Seaforth coming back over. Mm-hmm. Danny Lumsden, who's a big friend of ours at the site. Amy Shepard, who's starting to make waves kind of over there now. A girl that was kind of in a band with her brother and sister that did really, really big things on the sort of pop circuit down under. Half a billion um, listens to Geronimo. I knew it was big, but not half a billion big, and she's well, invested I that money. They played at the festival in oh, Chelmsford when I went there. And I probably have somewhere, probably at my mum's house back at home, the best marketing I've ever seen from Shepherd is this band. They had beach balls of their own that they met, that they kind of got printed up and that were just going out into the crowd and stuff. So I probably got like a, a Shepherd beach ball from somewhere back in the day. But yeah, like you say, Geronimo, huge, like that sort of track. But that again, that's a, a song that a lot of people, even pop fans and things over here, won't have heard. And it's, if you take the time and effort, you'll find something, you really like it, then you find your new favourite band. And that, again, is the beauty about C2C, that you arrive on the Friday with no idea what you're going to do, who you're going to see, you're there to see Kane Brown, and you walk past that big entrance stage, um, and then you'll see someone on there, and then you might think, oh my God, that's amazing, I don't know who they are, that's the most incredible thing ever. You stand and watch, and you hear them go stand on stage, and it'll be, my name's Kerry Watt, or my, we're Lakeview, or I'm Brooke Eden, uh, or Dylan Schneider, who are the four that are playing on the Friday. And then people will kind of, you know, fall in love with them, and then they'll walk around the O2, talking to their mate that stumbled out of Weatherspoons or one of the other bars inside there, and they go around and they're watching somebody on the wayside stage, and they'll be chatting, and the people that are at the wayside stage go, oh, we just saw this guy there, amazing. It's like, oh, I didn't get to see them. It's like, oh, that's a real shame. But I saw so-and-so, and they were really great. And you get multiple opportunities to see people and kind of discover music organically, which is why the Americans love kind of the UK's market. Because basically people, people have to want to listen to you. They go out of their way to want to listen to you. But equally, at the kind of the same time, if you if you walk past the stage and you don't like what you hear and go, that's not for me, you just walk around and go to the next one yep. because you've got so many opportunities. And if you really like somebody a lot, you kind of I don't know, you you see Brad Fox or you see like Colby because she's doing a couple of sets, and I think everyone's obsessed with Colby, and she's I think she should be on the main stage in her own right, but that's another story altogether. But yeah, you know, if you really like it, you can go and see them again. If you're a really big fan and you've been listening to stuff, it's like, right, I can plan my whole weekend about saying, when are these guys playing? When are Tiger Lily Gold playing? When's Mason Ramsey playing? When's Hallie Kearns playing? When, when's Angel White playing? I just think there's so much. And that's what's great, that music's so subjective that what I like, what you like, might differ. And the fact that I really like something and you disagree you don't like something neither is wrong it's just an opinion it's a thing and music is subjective in that sort of way that the thing about it there is only things that are good and bad and what makes things good and bad are about our perception at the end of the day and it's how people perceive things you can tell talent whether you like the sound of it or not there are people that i'm not a fan of musically that i think are incredibly talented do not doubt that in any way. But just personally for me, I'm not a fan of their music. Whereas the person that lives next door to me might be the biggest fan in the world of that artist and think that they're the best thing going. I'm perfectly 
prepared to be convinced by Lakeview. If you like Hardy, you will love Lakeview. I like Hardy. I need to be convinced by Lakeview. The lineup is all there. I must also say that Brad Cox's album that he put out last year is called Acres. I will be listening to that so I can sing along to Brad's it songs. Was also, going back to the Golden Stars, it was the overall album of the year and the best-selling album of the year in Australia yeah. country last year as well. They break... There's a thing that I think that the BCMA in the UK, we could particularly learn a lot from, from how they do things in Australia, in breaking country in inverted commas down through the awards to recognize where like fanny lumson they deemed as like alt country and kind of then there was a felicity car they've sort of broken it down and they won things like on another style and whereas brad and the yeah. wolf brothers were being recognized so and i i'm all for that and stuff and i think that particularly with when you're talking about music outside of america I don't like to view it as Australian country or UK country or Canadian country or you're talking about Ilsa Delanga. It's not Dutch country. It's country music from Australia. It's country music from England. It's country music from Canada. It's country music from Scotland. And if you try and create this subgenre and things, that's where people sort of go, oh, it's not on par with what the States is because people view it as different. But that's the great level about CTC. It allows people like, you know, Sally and Steven from Gasoline and Matches, Harry Watt, Amelia, Tennessee Twin, Janine Barry, just kind of a few of the UK ones I can think of on my head. To be on that same bill, I'm not going to turn around and try and convince you that any of those guys are better than Colby Clay, you know, Grammy-nominated Colby Clay and things, or Chapel Heart everyone is absolutely in love with it's again it's the whole one man's trash is another man's treasure like everyone views things differently you know people like what they like and don't like what they don't like some people like pineapple on a pizza which to me is very odd that is that is something sorry that's something dom crook asked every act so whenever someone says pineapple on pizza i just think of country chat with dom but yeah it it, it kind of is you know it gives people that opportunity and to showcase what things are the fact that you can go over and be stood at the wayside waiting to see hannah dasher or zandy hollop or graylin james or ben chapman and just the fact that people are going over there to see them and they get there a little bit before and they catch something else they don't know who they are and then you discover them and you're like, oh, my God, I love that. I'm going to listen to them more. But equally, if you get over there and you're 10 minutes early, you're not a fan of it, you know where the bar is. And the, you know, But that's, again, this perception thing about stuff and the fact that common sense tells you that if someone has a really big crowd and a lot of people like them, they're probably very good. But the fact that you might not be a fan of that musically doesn't mean that all those people are right and you are wrong, which is always the thing I like to sort of kind of reiterate about like music, that it's it's unique as an industry in that way, but it's purely perception-driven. Berlin in March, Taylor Swift later in the year, you're going to Lisbon. Your friend Chris Green was in Norway watching Jordan Davis and Ashley Cook. This kind of country and tourism thrill... Is it because you've completed England? You've done all of England now, so you're going abroad for your country? No, not really. I, I'm of the belief that life would be a lot better if I was just a UK tour consisted of one gig in London where they could play a nice big venue rather than kind of worrying about where they're going elsewhere. Yes. <laughs> From that standpoint. Um, no, like, Taylor, I don't really know. We just, 
with a lot of it, we just fancied some city breaks, really. So we're going to Lisbon, we're going to Warsaw. That's going to be an interesting weekend. We're going to, you know, Poland for a couple of days, going down to Krakow and to Auschwitz on the Friday and then going to see Taylor on the Saturday. Kind of about as Ooh, extreme as you can that is, Yeah, there. that is a polar opposites of the human experience. And then, yeah, then Berlin, we just talked about it. Ian went last time they did it in 2020 and had a great time. And then I'd just been sort of talking to, you know, other mates of ours and it's like, oh, let's just sort of go. And the idea of three days eating sausage and drinking beer sounded a really good idea and chuckling a bit of music as well. Have you done um, much research? Do you know what you're going to get? in Berlin from what Ian's told you? The lineup's very different. I've looked more at that sort of standpoint, that there isn't a huge amount. There are real benefits to going to Berlin that kind of make it worthwhile just from a music perspective. The fact of having Jackson Dean, like, is, for me, incredible. I think the guy is, like, phenomenal and one of, you know, definitely one of the best live performers I saw last year. His gig at the Garage was, you know, one of my top gigs. So that's cool. And as well, like on the small, a lot of the a lot of the Berlin artists that are doing the smaller stages are coming over to London, which is really really cool. There's one that isn't uh, at the moment that I've sort of seen that I'm kind of really like listening to a girl called Ali Walker who plays bagpipes, and it's really really sort of cool. When you look at the lineup as a festival, nobody can see everyone they want to see. It's not worth making a really detailed plan, but when you do sort of media-based stuff, you're going to see even less. You're just trying to pick up whatever you can, whenever you can, come around doing other bits. So Berlin kind of makes it a little bit easier to have more chances to see people, so to help with that, really. But we will find out uh, how you are doing in Berlin, because you're going to record something while you're there, uh, a chat between you and Ian. Well, with, with it, Vali's mentioned it, like, I'm not sure how productive I will be uh, at nine ten o'clock on Saturday morning. Okay, um, it's fun. It's fun for the audience. Oh, no, actually, Saturday should be all right. They've got a Bluebird thing on the Friday. It's Stephen Wilson Jr., Rita Wilson, and Alana doing, like, a Bluebird cafe round thing. And then I guess just... Mm having fun Saturday should be good I didn't think I didn't really put two and two together to be honest I was like there's just so much you're kind of thinking about everything and you kind of like I say since the lineup came out you, you kind of go into like this strange like media realm of how you do stuff where you're like right I need to find out who do I want to, who would I like to talk to who are those people kind of being represented by what are the chances of kind of getting time with them and stuff and you sort of go through the game and like kind of get there I bought my travel insurance this week for the year I thought I'd get an annual policy but that's about the extent of my planning really talking of travel I never forget your line about Buckingham Palace. Whenever I think of an American act coming over here, or Australian, they always go and see Buckingham Palace. So what happens, and Thomas Rhett did this when he came to London, they, they do some tourism for a day, and usually it involves Tower Bridge and the South Bank. If you, Jamie Garden from countryinthe.uk.com, were organising an itinerary for US acts for, let's say, the Thursday before and the Monday after C2C weekend, and you were in control of the minibus, where would you drive these American acts to around London? And if you want to go down to the deepest recesses of the coast, you can. In, order, in ordinary circumstances, I'd tell people to go down to Brighton, but in March, it's not always the best time to be on Long the Long road time would be Brighton, yeah. 
Uh, yeah. Um, where? I don't really know. Like, I think with a lot of it, like, I, I associate in rotty pubs on the outskirts of London, really, and things, and look at, you know, random sculptures and stuff rather than things that people would kind of want to see. And then a lot of the stuff that I used to think was cool in London, I think has become, like, over overly touristy. So I try and avoid it. Like Carnaby mm-hmm. and Camden. Whereas now I do everything at all possible to avoid going to Camden unless I really it's have the age, to. The age thing. But whereas days of old, it was where you, you was like, oh, yeah, we're going to go to London, we're going to go to Camden. Or, we, you know, going to go to, you know, Covent Garden and things. Whereas now you, you don't tend to because it's... I think it's, again, with a lot of it. Like I, I find the amount... Because living in Croydon, I come into London quite often into Victoria. And then the way the tubes work and stuff, a lot of the time it's quicker to walk between places if, like, platforms are closed or whatever. There's times I've walked past the palace and just forget it's there. Why are all these tourists in the way? Get out of my way. Like, don't stop. Like, keep walking. You know, you're on the wrong side of the pavement. And I bet they've got the chairs as well, the tourists, with their chairs. We're not we're not allowed to talk about chairs. We I didn't, didn't think so, chairs. but you will get lots of chair chats this year, as ever, on the country in the UK podding no, nonsense. Well, we we brought up chairs in this week's podcast. We were talking about the saloon in all bar one. I said I love it in the evening, but I hate it during the day because there's people that sit there like people with like deck chairs and camp out, and it's like take your chairs out, more people can get in. Yeah. But anyway. When I spoke to Ross at Americano, I'd said this. I really hope they let him loose with the microphone again and just let him run riot like he did that festival in the States. And he made this vid- they made a video that went online that kind of found its way offline quite quickly after. And I'd said I was very disappointed that the best content that had ever been produced by Hollow had been removed it's far too quickly. <laughs> what are this year's goals for country in the UK, both for the podding nonsense and for the sit-downs and festival coverage and gig coverage. Do you give a lot of thought to that, or do you give as little uh, planning no, as you give to your I European think, jaunts? I think it's a long way from what we do. Like, we're, we're in a very fortunate position, me and Ian, with the two of us, that, like, you know, I think we talked about in this podcast, but me and Ian first met, like, 2007 was when we first met. We used to work together at PGL, way back in the day. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so that was that. And obviously, you kind of lost, you know, you don't keep into contact with people as much. And then everyone knows everyone that's in the sort of, like, site circuit, people that are sociable and talk to each other and stuff. Everyone knows everyone. And it was kind of at the sort of point that I, that my time at my last gig had ran its course. And I just sort of had some pieces sat on the side and chucked them over to him. And it sort of went, from there really but both both of us have full-time jobs outside of music i hate saying we both have a career but we do both have a career you know ian's a teacher and i'm a civil servant so that yeah there is the whole fact of it and some people might say oh you're not motivated you're not driven it's like no it's just you know we have we have a job and the fact came is if i could work music full-time and sustain it financially i'd absolutely be 100 to do it but you know you can't you have to take so many drops and go backwards to be able to have the opportunity to have a slim chance of, you know, making a real success out of it. So it's like, you know, financially, it's like, you know, it's more than a hobby. I think I'm quite good at it in a bizarre way. I think what I do is different 
particularly with reviewing and talking to people and it's kind of yeah it's a little bit sporadic and it's chaotic and kind of all those sort of things but it works for me and it's a little bit different I'm a very social creature as you know very well you know I, I like I still like going out I shouldn't be going out anywhere near as much as I should do at the minute but you know I, li- I like sort of talking to people and kind of that's a in the in the music industry, it's a very social industry, kind of behind the you know behind the scenes in terms of what things are. A lot of people are on edge, thinking that people are trying to kind of get one up or use their way up, mm. or almost kind of people are quite guarded about other people. But that's where it sort of comes that where you know you do music because you enjoy it and you're good at it, rather than you want to make it your full time job. You're not really a threat to people. If that makes sense. Well, that's the, so, that's the whole point of the country media show. It brings together, I call it a premium hobby, people who do it, who, who like the music and want to share their knowledge through radio yeah. shows, written media. Uh, and it is lovely that you are the first guest. I think the thing about it is that, you know, it's a, it's a cool sort of industry. And if you like, everyone just does their bit. You know where you sit, you know, in terms of us covering, you covering, whatever. There's a food chain, I suppose, is the first thing. You understand where you sit in the food chain, and you have to be aware of that. The second thing is you obviously have to have kind of a grasp of reality, which I think is a lot of the thing that kind of you sort of come across on socials now, but where people look at this lineup and go, I don't know who anyone is. It's terrible. Why have we not got bigger artists on on the daytime stages? It's like, because the bigger artists are too big to be on the daytime stages now. We lucked out with Nate Smith last year, which kind of doesn't help the whole thing, just in terms of where he was with the cycle and the fact that Whiskey on You had just peaked. Yeah. Um, it's like when Ted draws the image for Dougal, talking about dreams and reality and that dreams live inside your head and reality's outside your head and it's almost like when people talk about inside and outside voice yes all sort of thing comes is you know why haven't we got alan jackson garth brooks and george Strait headlining c to c it's like well because they don't want to do it end of well i don't know who all these people are why isn't this or why isn't Parker McCollum, why isn't this person a, or, you know, whoever on the daytime stage? It's like, because if they were playing C to C, they'd be on the main stage. And it's like, I think that just because somebody has discovered an artist last month doesn't mean they're a new artist, is the thing. And obviously, we have a lot more access and we kind of consciously do our bit to learn more, um, kind of about stuff. And I think that's. We have a we have a better realization of what we should expect. Whereas this is not kind of like playing down on fans and stuff. It's just the way things are. That you know, when you're not as kind of tied in with a lot of stuff, that you you're not as conscious about how the mechanics and stuff work and how this festival gets put together. That the fact that when they start booking this festival they turn to the booking agents and basically say, right, we want someone to play London, Belfast, Glasgow over these three days in March, doing one day each, who have you got that's interested and available? Then what will happen is they'll go from there and then say, for example, that, I don't know, Garth was interested. Garth's team will go, yeah, Garth's up for doing it, but he wants £20 billion a minute. And then Stacey will go... I don't think we can do that. 
So there's obviously a financial constraint. But then also the other sort of time is they'll kind of they might sort of think, oh, you know, we'd love to get this person because they haven't been over here before, but that person's playing shows of their own, or that person's pregnant. You know, do you know mm. what I mean? Yes. Like booking at any event, it starts off by saying who's available on these days. Then they look at the list of who's available, kind of ascertain, you know, where people like piece it together like a jigsaw and kind of, you know, sort of do a bit of juggling with kind of planning money and stuff. It isn't just the case of that they go, right, let's ask, let's ask the fans, like, and who they, who they want to play C to C and the top 12 answers, we just go and ask them. It's not as simple as that. Is it like in ter- to bring in football, to bring in sport, as you do on your podding nonsense, Watford's sporting directors has a list... Yeah. And they work from the top of the list to target number 20. And it's quite clear when target number 20 is the one that is signed and when target number two is the one. So I, I don't fully know the kind of ins and outs about C2C specifically, but that's how like, any event works. Yes. Which, again, is just about look, people go, right, we're organising an event. We have a budget for this event. So the first thing you need to do before you start working out how much it's going to cost to get somebody, you've got to work out would that person be interested to play your event. But as the genre grows here, you know, this this becomes a thing that C2C's actually become a victim of with how they've grown it. As artists become bigger and can sell out the O2 on their own, do they really want to play three nights in a row? they rather come over for a little bit longer where they can make more money? Especially if, as Chris Stapleton does, has five children. So this, it's interesting that Stapleton is following Combs and Wallen in getting into the o, the O2 by himself. But also incredible that Jordan Davis can make time, as Ashley Cook does, uh, in the middle of February to come over to the UK in the middle of a very successful album rollout. Uh, so we are being spoiled and we're celebrating, what, the 10th C to C? Not 10 years, the 10th C to C. Yeah. Uh, and there will be pieces in the, the main press, as they're always asking, yeah, isn't country great? I say there's loads of stuff sort of going. And I think you, you sort of see the genre is just the way that it's opening out. Like, you know, we had an, an Americana song that was the number one song in the overall UK charts. Not the number one album, the number one song in the overall charts announced on Radio 1 on the Friday afternoon that the UK's number one song was an Americana song. Probably still Stick is. Season. By the time it goes out, Stick Season is probably still number one. It's enormous. I know it can't. Yeah. Right? And then at the same time, is in the last couple of weeks, in the last week, Lana Del Rey, who has one of the most dedicated militant fan bases on the planet because she's the most incredible vocalist I've ever seen, she's just announced a country album. And the fact that you see all these sort of people, you know, the fact that Steven Tyler had a dabble in, John Bon Jovi's been kind of on it this week in Nashville, kind of, you know, for things. And that there are so many people, Ed Sheeran, Harry Styles, all these people that have connections Ringo to the country. There is yeah. yeah. There is a reason why it's grown, and that's generally because people people that make music appreciate that country is where the deepest appreciation of the songs as they are is, and that's really cool that we've seen that growth from that for you know the first CTO. Oh, I remember when I went to see Sugarland at Shepherd's Bush fifteen years ago, probably even longer, maybe even longer ago than that, and the venue's half empty. Can you imagine if Jen and Christian were like were playing a show next like next week? It'd be packed. 
it'd be sold out so far in advance. And that's just a testament of how far it's grown. And I think just my sort of last point on the thing, we talked about kind of Australia and Canada and how great those things are. And I know a lot of people have their feelings about the country music from the UK, which is the way I want to do it, rather than kind of talking about UK country and this whole, is it time for a UK artist on the main stage? And I think the answer to that is no, because you shouldn't be putting an artist on the main stage because they're from the UK. If you've got an artist that you think is good enough and that people are willing to pay what's now quite a lot of money, then 100% you put the best acts that are available to you. But just because an act is from a certain place, you shouldn't give it... I know this is our country, but you shouldn't give it crap you know, preference just because it's from there. Barcelona don't just go, well, actually, we're going to put a Spanish guy in our team this week because, you know, and drop whoever just because we're, we play in Spain. Yeah, very good. You know, you do what's the best thing that's there for you. Like we sort of said just, you know, earlier, the, the lineup this year is solid. It's really cool. And there's, you know, going all the way down that 12, you said we've got Carly and Lauren and Connor opening up on the Friday night. Then you've got Lauren Elena, you've got Carly Pierce, you've got Kane Brown, Jayco in here for the first time, Brad Paisley, who does this wonderful, cheesy hit factory that he kind of always does, Brian Kelly, who was fantastic at the Wembley event. New album coming. Um, and Priscilla, and then on the Sunday, you've obviously got Ode and Brazos, which is, you know, two of the coolest live bands around. Drake Milligan, who's we're going to see in Berlin as well. And the last one, I guess, to kind of end on the positive note with this person, I'm really excited about Elle King. And I know a lot of people are saying certain things about her and stuff and whatever. Um, but I'm so pumped to see her. I think she's awesome. I think that her voice, I think her sound and everything that she does is great. And she's another example of an artist that wasn't country initially, came into country. I first saw her open for Train and kind of her sort of alt-rock type world I guess with a bit of banjo um, and I think she's going to be phenomenal and you know I think that if people are seeing things about her in particular um, just you know we don't know what's going on and I think people need to you know let people just get themselves sorted if they need to get sorted but equally at the same time telling people they need to get sorted when they might not it's not for us to know and um, I think she's going to smash it, and I think everyone's going to love her. And I think she's going to be the highlight of the main stage. Then I think Brad Cox and the Red Hill Valleys are going to be the apps on the pop-up stages that people need to check out. And I imagine there will be a festival review and many, many sit-downs. So your thumbs and fingers and voice box are going to be very busy, as everyone's uh, is going to be, uh, in the middle of March. Countryintheuk.com is the place to be. Uh, And uh, the podding nonsense, if you want to subscribe, like and subscribe, I guess, link in the bio. Yeah, all those those hashtags. Oh, and also, I should should finish on this, shouldn't I? Number one. Uh, Name your favourite Tottenham Hotspur number one. It's Hugo. Correct. Jamie Garden, thank you very much. Lovely speech to JB. Thank you very much, Jamie Garden. Countryintheuk.com is the place to go. Podding nonsense the podcast feed and thank you for listening the next proper episode of the country media show will be previewing the next live in the living room gives back event 
which takes place on April the 7th, with head honcho James Vince. And the focus question asked of the dozen or so contributors will be, who was the first UK country act you remember seeing? I know my answer. I will be asking the contributors next week and the show will go out just after people's hangovers have died away after country to country. If you're going there, I might see you. The Country Media Show was written, presented and produced by me, Johnny Brick. There's no marketing campaign behind this pod. So do tell someone about the show in whichever way you can. (laughs) 